Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. College students in the house interested in feeling called not just to ministry, but just wanting to get kingdom principles. We offer um, associate's degree here at Voyage Church through Southeast University. We have bachelor's in ministry, bachelor's in business and professional leadership, and we have a bachelor's in psychology right here through Voyage Church. And so if you're interested, we'd love to talk with you. But we watched Reagan go through the ministry school, graduate, grow in the Lord so much. And she was like, I just feel the Lord's calling me to go to California. This group, it's kind of a resurgence of a group called the Circuit Riders. If you grew up in church, maybe you've heard of Circuit Riders before. Um, Circuit Riders began with a group of people in horse and buggy. And they would literally horse and buggy themselves all over the nation and bring revival. And they would, they would preach and see miracle signs and wonders. And there's basically this young generation of young men and women who are just picking up this mantle and they're starting it again. And so she's been in California the past several months just getting training on evangelism. And then, like she just said, all the states as well as South Africa all this month. And so we'll get some updates, but I just wanted you to know as a church you got to sow in to what God's called her to do. And so for those of you who give and are faithful, thank you for being a generous church because uh, it made that possible. And we're super excited to hear. I did hear with South Africa, it could be something like 15 to 20,000 people that'll be out in the field that they'll be able to minister to. And so we just want to believe that souls are saved and people encounter Jesus. Amen? And uh, as we hope that happens in South Africa, I believe it's happening right here. I think you're standing in the middle of a miracle, and um, we have something really special this week. It'll make sense with my message today, but today begins what we would commemorate as Christians around the globe of Holy Week, and so today we'll talk about it is Palm Sunday when Jesus would have ridden into town on a young colt, a young donkey, never ridden before, and uh, there's a lot of significance there, and I, I hope by the end of today you'll be like, oh, wow. It was more than just like a nice little Jesus parade. Um, there was a lot of prophetic implications and a lot of things fulfilled so that you and I could have life and life abundantly. But we're doing something really special this week, and I'd love for you to join in. With this week being so powerful, we're going to read Holy Week together. So on our website and on our app all week long, we will be walking you through what we have, a Holy Week devotional. And if you've never read the scriptures throughout Holy Week, you'll get to see the scriptures from today all the way to Sunday when Jesus kills death. Come on, somebody. And you can read the scriptures every single day about where Jesus would have been all week long. And so today, if you open up the app right now or went to our website and just search thevoyage.church, you'll see the scriptures that we're going to read today for Jesus riding in on the young colt. And then tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, it's really cool to see what Jesus spent his time doing. Like, think about it. If you knew it was your last week, now, Jesus at least gets to come back to life, you know what I mean? But if you knew it was your last week, what would you be doing? And it's pretty neat to see what Jesus did. He did things like clearing the temple, walking in, weaved a whip together and started driving out animals and people who had turned God's house into basically like a flea market. Um, he spent time teaching people and loving people. And so I'd encourage you to join in with us on that, the Holy Week devotional, like I said, on our app website. Then the other two things, just a reminder, this Friday, Good Friday service in this room, 7 p.m., going to be super powerful, super special. For moms and dads, I want you to know we do have Voyagers, but only three months to four years old. Kindergarten and up will be in the room with us. There's no sermon on Good Friday. Good Friday is worship, and we're going to be having a special time where we take communion together. Um, and so really great service. I hope that you're here to, uh, to, to, to be a part of that with us. And then also Sunday, 
9 and 11 a.m. for Easter Sunday. And, uh, man, we're going to celebrate that our king is alive. Amen? So there's enough of that. Let's jump into the word. Recapped all the announcements I was told to by the people that know more than I do. Um, I'm just thankful for what God's doing. I want to pray real quick and then let Jesus speak to us through his word. Amen? Father, thank you. Thank you that your word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Separates the spirit and the soul. God, so that we can be revealed more truths as sons and daughters. God, if there's anyone in here today, God, who doesn't have a relationship with you and hasn't submitted and surrendered to the lordship of you, Jesus, Lord, I pray that today would be that day. You're worthy of it, God. God, and you saw us as worth giving everything up for. You bought us back with your precious blood. We thank you for it. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes today, the title of this message is The Lord Needs It. Look at somebody and say, The Lord Needs It. And look at somebody else and say, The Lord Needs What? And then if you're a theology person in the room, you're like, Nothing. He, he needs nothing, okay? Um, but I would like to take you on a journey this morning that maybe you and I don't know God as well as we maybe think we do or hope we do. Um, and I believe that that's good news. That's good news. So I want to read you a passage. And then uh, we'll have some fun today. I got a lovely trash can that's going to help me out. I promise we didn't forget to take that down when we were cleaning today. And I have this nice little gymnastics mat that my seven-year-old let me borrow. And that'll all make sense in a little bit. But Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. We're going to read through verse 40. You know the rule. If your friend falls asleep, Judy, chop him in the throat. No sleeping in church, okay? Jesus is alive. This, he ain't dead. We ain't going to act like we dead, okay? All right. Luke 19, starting in verse 28. After telling this story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied, tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Everybody say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found a colt, and just as Jesus had said, um, just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, so sorry, second service, and I didn't sleep a lot last night. Pray for me. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, I like the simply added there, right? And it's simply, well, we're just going to simply say what Jesus told us to say. And what'd they say? You guys do it? The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. This is also where they threw palm branches. Other, um, other gospels of this same account would say they laid palm branches down. They shouted Hosanna. But for Luke, he writes it this way. He says, they laid their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, now I want you to know, down the Mount of Olives, Jesus rides into the city through the East Gate. Everybody say East Gate. East Gate? No. Um, so Jesus rides to the East Gate. And it says, when he reached the place, Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. I love this, the last two verses. But some Pharisees, these are religious, like fuddy-duddy people, you know what I mean? Like the people who just think they 
they're really good at following all the rules, but they're not really good at following all the rules, but they can make other people feel bad if they don't know how to follow the rules, but they actually don't even know how to follow the rules because they know they're broken on the inside. I'm talking about those kind of religion. You don't know any like that? Okay. Anyways, sometimes you might encounter a religious person like that. And it says, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, speaking to Jesus, another word would have been used was rabbi, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Now, you have to understand, for Jesus to ride in and for the people in Jerusalem, this is Passover week. This is, this is a week that's already being celebrated by Jews. It's not like Jesus invented this, okay? God invented this, and it was all preparing us for the sacrifice of Jesus. So there are people from all over in Jerusalem for this week. And people start shouting, which Jews believe, Hey, there's a Messiah coming. Our Savior is going to come, but they believe he's going to come sit on an earthly throne, like this really grand, and Jesus was born in a manger. So Jesus just doesn't fit what the picture the Jews thought he should look like. But Jesus is like, that's because you have earthly perspective of kings, and I'm the king of kings. So I don't operate like kings in the earth because my kingdom's higher. And so for them to say things like this is a big deal. Like, why are you calling this guy the king? Like, and so they get upset and they say, teacher, rebuke them. And I love Jesus' response. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. Hello. Now, some people are like, what does that mean? Is that like a weird face on a rock? And it's like, Jesus, right? <clears throat> Jesus actually tells us in the gospels that in the last days, the earth will begin to have birthing pains. And those birthing pains will produce things like increased an exponential rate of hurricanes, fires, earthquakes. I don't know if you looked at the news at all, but like there's, like there's things catching on fire that they're like haven't caught on fire in a long, long, long time. And we just know, and according to scripture, it is the earth groaning for the return of her king. You're living in the midst of it. This isn't fairy tale. This isn't made up. You're actually living in the proof of the scripture. And so when Jesus says that, he's just saying, look, dude, you don't understand. I could tell people to shut up, but I am the king of the whole earth, not just people, not just Jews, the whole thing. That's why the Bible later would tell us every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's going to happen. Here's the deal. Right now, you and I can just choose to either do it willingly or you're forced to do it later. I mean, I'd just rather do it now and be with him than be forced to do it and be separated from him. Amen. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So Jesus is like, look, man, if I tell them to stop, you're probably going to be more frustrated that the ground starts crying out. What are you going to do then? And so this whole story is just interesting in and of itself that just the verbiage that Jesus uses. He's like, hey, you got to go to the next town over. You need to enter into the town. You're going to find this thing. Like, let's be honest. Someone walked up to your house and just started like opening up your garage and grabbing your lawnmower. And you're like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, Lord needs it. And they just, I mean, let's be honest. That ain't flying, bro. Sorry. I serve a generous God, but we ain't that generous around here just walks over, unties the donkey, like, hey, if anybody asks, just tell him God needs it. It's, it's for the Lord. Don't worry, for the Lord. Not sure if we're bringing it back, but just, it's all good. And so as I read this story, I start asking myself a question and processing through some things. Is like, is there anything that the Lord actually needs? 
Because I think if we answer that question the way, if like, even if you're in the room, you're like, yeah, I believe in God. Like, I'm not like super active in church, you know, like I'm coming this week because it's Palm Sunday and Easter and then I'll probably fall off by summertime and I'll try to get back into it around Christmas and then life will get really busy and kids will be playing sports. And, you know, I grew, I had my kids grow up around the idea of God, but the problem is we have people understand and embrace the idea of God, but never actually be embraced by God. But it would be easy for us to go, well, the Lord does, I don't have anything the Lord needs. And so, you know, I know I need to live for him. I know I should probably be more involved or I should seek him more sincerely. But at the end of the day, like he's God, right? And I'm, I'm, I kind of have my struggles and it is what it is. But I would pose to you today that I think God in his greatness, while he is everything we need, could divinely position himself in such a way that there are some things you and I need to do. I don't know if you've ever been in need. Anybody ever been in need? Um, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, man, I don't know why, babe. I just need chicken wings tonight. I don't know. Anybody ever been there? No? I just need Taco Bell, said no one ever. <laughs> Except for all of us that one random time. You're like, I don't even eat Taco Bell. When did Taco Bell get French fries? When did they stop serving French fries? Because they were actually kind of good. There's only like 25% of the room that are like, yeah, the rest of them are like, oh my gosh, growths. But like, we use the word need, and we know deep down, like, we don't need it. It's just like, I really want it. But if you really pause and think, what are some things in your life like, no, dude, I was in need. Like, maybe TMI, but I remember waking up, first year of marriage, me and Shauna, living in Louisiana, woke up, middle of the night, your boy was peeing blood, and I was like, this ain't right. Something broke, something wrong, we got a problem. But it was to the point where the pain was so bad, I'm, I'm like, I wanna vomit, but I don't have anything to vomit, so I'm dry heaving, I know, I apologize. But this was just like, when you get married and you say in sickness and in health, <laughs> welcome to year one, babe, here we are. And I, dude, I was in need. I was like, we, I need something from somewhere that I don't have, I need help go to the doctor, get scans, find out I have two kidney stones, too big to pass. Anything over five millimeters, they would say is too big to pass. I had a six and a nine millimeter. And not a nine millimeter pistol. Um, I just thought of a really funny joke that I'm not even gonna say. And some of y'all are thinking it too, but we're just gonna move right on along. But man, that's hilarious. Okay, so some of you are like, what? What is it? Anyways, Go to the doctor, find that out, end up finding out I actually have a birth defect called a UPJ obstruction where the tube from my kidney to my bladder is pinched like a straw, right? Like, like think if you pinched a straw and tried to drink through it, like it's going to move so slow. So this kidney was four times the size of the other one. And they were like, it's on the verge of rupturing. And he said, actually, UPJ obstructions are caught in babies. And I've never seen anyone over the age of 11 with one of these. I was 23. So out here breaking records. It's just what we do. And dude, it was, it was awful. Like it was one of the toughest seasons. It was about three months before I got into a surgery where they cut me open. I have a scar from here to here, I won't show you, but it had 26 staples. It was nasty. I couldn't feel on this side of my, my, of my abdomen for like two and a half years. So it cut through all of those nerves. But when that happened, there were some things they had to, to do before I could get to the surgery time. They had to put some stents in and that's a whole process I do not want to talk about today. But I'll never forget, I, I was just in pain so much that I asked Shauna to pray for me. 
And I was like, babe, I want to anoint me with oil, like the Bible says, and just pray. And I'll never forget, she prayed specifically her words, Lord, I pray that these kidney stones would dissipate. That was, that was her, her, her verbiage. And I ended up moving right along, go have the surgery. They cut me open. They fix all that. And he told me, he was like, hey, while I'm in there, I'm going to clean out the kidney stones. I was like, thank you, because I would rather not try to pass them, right? You're already in there. Let's just, let's do the whole thing. So I wake up from 26 staples and uh, I'm usually, I've had several surgeries. I'm usually pretty angry when I wake up. Um, and so, you know, I love Jesus, but like you're getting on my nerves kind of thing. Um, but then once I kind of got to a good spot, I asked the doctor, I was like, hey doc, I'd really like to see the kidney stones, maybe morbid, but I'm just kind of curious. What were these little hellions that were like destroying my life? I'd like to see them. And I'll never forget his response where he said, Mr. Teal, I don't really know how to tell you this because I know we have the CAT scan and I know that the stones are there. He said, and we fixed the UPJ obstruction. He said, and I rinsed your kidney out as clean as it could be. There was no kidney stones in that thing. And I was like, well, I kind of know why, because we should have prayed with more specificity because we only prayed for the stones. I should have prayed for the tube too, dadgummit. But I truly believe it was the Lord. Like I was able to tell the doctor like, hey, my wife prayed that they would dissipate. And he was like, all I can tell you is they were on the scans and they weren't in you. So I don't know. The reason I share that with you is because there are times in our life where we get to the place of in need, in need. Like there is nothing in and of yourself. But when I look at this passage, I'm just thinking to myself like, Jesus told the disciples to go do this. And then it was like, if anyone asks, tell them the Lord needs it. And I'm like, well, you own a cattle on a thousand hill. You're Jesus. Jesus could have went and untied the donkey on his own anyways, right? Like he could have done it. He's totally capable. But he asked the disciples to go get it but then uses this phrase, the Lord needs it. Is it possible that God being so faithful and constant and not one that will ever lie, the Bible tells us he's not a man that he would lie, that he positioned himself to be the only one to satisfy our needs, yet also divinely designing life in such a way that there are now opportunities for sons and daughters of the king to walk in obedience by bringing things he needs to fulfill the Great Commission. Is it possible that there's things that God could have done, but he has divinely positioned himself to say, I won't, you will. And I think about that in several ways, one of them being a trash can. So I have a two-year-old named Canyon, and he's two. I don't know if he's been around a two-year-old, but they kind of just wreck shop and act cute and then cry and scream when they need to sleep or eat. That's pretty much his life. Um, there, you know, at, at the house, I'll take out the trash. And uh, I'll be honest with you, we have four kids, three of them are in diapers. Our trash bags are never this empty, okay? Um, but, so when I take the trash, it's a little bit more difficult to get it out of the trash can. Anybody know you put so much stuff in there, it's like, <laughs> it's like air compressed, anybody? No, just us? All right, just the teals. Um, but I'll take the trash out. Hey, Canyon, come help Daddy take the trash out, right? And Canyon will come over, and he's not big enough. Like, if I left him with one of our trash bags, y'all, it would just swallow him whole. And so I allow him to grab the other strand here on the tie. He puts his hand on it, and I'm walking down the hallway going, good job, bud. Hey, let me see your muscles. He'll go, I'm like, dude, you're doing awesome. Thank you for helping me. Now, we all know in this room who's doing the work. Dad. But as dad does the work, who's dad celebrating? Son. 
See, when I think about God the Father and that Jesus could have went and untied a donkey on his own, but the fact that he included his disciples to be a part of a work that only he could accomplish. Because if a disciple dies on the cross for you and I, no one's sin debt gets paid. But if the final sacrificial lamb does, and here's why I want you to know he's the final sacrificial lamb. Remember I told you he went through what gate? Anybody remember? East gate. Okay. Do you know what the east gate was always used for? The lamb that would be slaughtered in the temple for the yearly sacrifice was always carried into the city through the east gate. You know, centuries later, the Muslims would take over the city and have actually built on top of the gates, rebuilt some of the gates to look differently. And right now, as you and I are in this room, if you went to Jerusalem and you went to the Mount of Olives and you look towards the East Gate, you'd be able to see where the East Gate was, but it's completely bricked over. What's interesting is when I was doing the research, I was like, why is it bricked over? Because the Muslim leader who, who rebuilt everything, he kept most of the other gates open. I think there was a total of 11 gates he left seven open. Um, the other ones were just kind of torn down. He built walls. But the east gate, he rebuilt. And then after rebuilding it, sealed it. And what's funny about sealing it is that the research shows that he sealed it because he knew of the prophetic declaration in the old covenant that says, and the east gate is to be closed and not to be reopened except for the coming of the king. And it is said as, as history would say, is that the Muslim man who rebuilt the wall and, and the gates, he actually, out of fear, sealed the east gate because he had heard of the prophecy. He even built, right on the other side in Kidron Valley, he built a graveyard thinking that, well, surely the Messiah will never walk through a graveyard. <laughs> like, bro. <laughs> See, it's because this Muslim leader doesn't think that Jesus is the Messiah. He thinks if there is a Messiah for the Jews, he's coming at a later time. Little does he know, Jesus already killed death and he ain't scared of no graveyard. But Jesus went through the east gate because he had to do the work. But he tells the disciples, go and untie a donkey. Good job, guys. So proud of you. But Jesus is doing the work. Now, it's a little bit different. Canyons too, he'll grow up and there will be a time where I'll be able to say, hey, Canyon, go take the trash out, right? But I have a daughter, Summer, she's seven. And for summer, it's a little bit different. So Summer Kate, first off, Summer Kate can make beds better than anybody in our house, okay? Um, and so Summer Kate doesn't sleep on this mat at home. Don't judge us, okay? This is just a little harder to bring her bed to the church, okay? But I can say, hey, Summer Kate, make the bed. So you go ahead. And she can do it. I don't have to be in there. I don't have to help her. She can actually make me and Shauna, like our bed for Shauna and I, she can make that bed better than us too. Like, hey babe, just make all the beds in the room except for Canyon because, well, he's a wreck at Ralph and just kind of leave it as is, right? But Summer Kate can do this. Now I'm not in here, you know, helping her do everything. She is capable of making the bed and I love it because she's detailed. Like even first service, she's gonna make sure it's pulled all the way down. She's gonna make sure the corners are straight. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for giving her an attention to detail. She's gonna build the kingdom with every bit of detail he's put in her, amen? But she's capable of this. Now, am I incapable of making a bed? No. Mine don't look as great, but I'm not incapable. I could do it, right? But I understand because of where Summer is in her life and because of her growth as a seven-year-old, and me and her talked about this last night, is that if I went up to her, and I said, hey, Summer, help Daddy take the trash out. 
All right, who's holding up the trash right now? I am. And if I, to Summer Kate, walk down the hallway and say, good job, baby. Thank you so much. You're doing so good. I asked her about this last night. I said, what would you think? She would be like, that you're just doing it? I said, exactly, because as you grow in the Lord and that there are actually things that the Lord needs you to do so that he can love you the way he desires to love you. Because in these moments, I can say, Summer Kate, I'm so proud of you. You're incredible. Thank you for doing that. I can trust you with that. It reminds me when the Bible says, when you've been faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. This speaks to her so much more. Her mommy told me that after service, just this little moment that I did in the first service, she was grinning from ear to ear. Why? Because dad's saying something to her. But it wouldn't be the same if I was almost in a like, just this toddler-esque way. Oh, good job when she knows, but I'm not a part of that. This, she knows she's a part of it. And what she's learning is dad needed to give me a task that he could do so that he could praise me a way that would only build me up if I was obedient that way. Not only am I praising her, she feels a part of the work. Will you guys give it up for Summer Kate? And so in essence, God needs us to do certain things so that he can celebrate a certain way. Now, I want to be very clear here because this could sound like, well, Pastor John's saying you've got to work for the love of God. No, not saying that. There is the agape love of God that you cannot earn. You can't prove anything to God to earn it. It is, it is only by grace. That is the only way. But I want you to see that even with Jesus, Matthew 3, 17 says a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That was God speaking over Jesus. Now I want to be very clear today. When God said that to Jesus, that was when he came out of the water at baptism and he had not ever done a single miracle ever in his life. He was 30 years old, and you can go look in all four Gospels. Not a single miracle was done by Jesus until after he came out of the water. Now, fast forward three years after ministry, he's on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and in Matthew 17, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. And the disciples were terrified and fell face down to the ground because, well, God's just booming voice came out of a cloud on top of a mountain, okay? But I need you to see that before Jesus ever did a miracle and after every miracle that Jesus ever did, God's tone towards his son never changed. This is my son, and I'm pleased with him, and he brings me great joy. Does Summer Kate have to do anything to earn to become my daughter? No, she's my daughter by what? By birth. Sounds a lot like the kingdom when Jesus says, you must be born again. So what do you have to do as a son or a daughter to earn? You just got to be born again. But once we're born again, there is now certain things that God celebrates in our faithfulness. Look at Hebrews 11, 5 through 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. And here it is. And he rewards those who sincerely seek him. In other words, could there be people who have accepted Christ, say, hey, I'm gonna choose Jesus and I'm gonna kind of make it fit within my schedule. And then those that are sincerely seeking him and someone look and be like, well, hey, how come you're walking in that? There are rewards for those who sincerely seek him. It's not that you're loved any different. 
It's just that there are rewards for those who walk in obedience. Also in Luke 16.10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. This is a biblical principle. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest in greater responsibilities. Let's be honest. Parents, when you ask a kid to do something, sure, it's great when they're old enough to make beds. Praise God, right? They can take the trash out, right? For those of you who have teenagers who drive and you trust them enough to drive smaller ones around, you're like, take them to practice. Awesome, right? Maybe not all of you, but some of you have done it. And be honest, you were kind of like, this is sweet. This is awesome. But we're asking them to do things because we are wanting deep down, if you're a parent in the room, you want to see them grow and be trusted with more, right? There's no good parent that says, I don't ever want you to be trusted with more. We want that, and that's God's desire for us. Now, again, here's this passage, and Jesus says, go get it. If anyone asks, tell them the Lord needs it. I believe that not only is there something prophetic here, which I'll go ahead and read you the scripture in Zechariah 9.9, it is very important that, the, that Jesus says this and that it happens. Because in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The disciples be like, bro, why are you having us untie this? Jesus is going, because this was written over 600 years before I was ever born, and the Lord needs it. This has to be fulfilled to show all of humanity that I didn't just show up as some random guy. I showed up fulfilling every prophecy. But as I look at this scripture, I want you to know that everything that Jesus fulfills gives an opportunity for you and I to walk in something right now. Because let's be honest, we can come here on Palm Sunday, be like, and we didn't, but we could have given you guys all palm branches. I think your kids, if they're in Voyagers, they got like some coloring sheets that are palm branches. And been like, Hosanna, he saves, amen. All right, cool, it's a great little Palm Sunday. Let's get to the real thing, Easter Sunday. But the reality is there is a prophecy here that if they would not gone and done this and Jesus wouldn't have done it, there would have been a reason for someone to say, ha, he's not the Messiah because he didn't fulfill every prophecy. Palm Sunday is absolutely, it's monumental into setting in motion what Jesus is doing this week. But here's the next piece. You and I could be like, okay, cool. We talked about Jesus riding in a donkey. Great Palm Sunday, pastor. What does that have to do with my life? What has a lot to do with your life? Because what Jesus actually asked the disciples to do in every word broken down in the original language has prophetic implications for you and I to walk in the same kind of obedience he asked them to walk in. I love after the owner says, why are you untying that? It says, they simply replied, the Lord needs it. There's some of you in a season of your life where you're stepping into more and someone could be like, why do you, why are you so involved at your church? Why are you getting baptized on Sunday? Why do you serve like that? Simply the Lord needs it. Changed my life. These, these two guys who go and untie, well, why would you do that? Bro, I've been following him for three years. He's raised dead people. He's opened up blind eyes. Are you kidding me? I get to be a part of this work? Like, I don't care if I'm scrubbing toilets, untying donkeys, or preaching. I just get to be a part. I want you to know today that there is a prophetic implication. When I say prophetic, I mean speaking towards your future, that there are some things locked up on the inside of you that the Lord is saying, walk in it. And if anybody questions you, your response is, the Lord needs it. And here's what I mean by that. I want to take you through many of the verbs in this passage. And I want to break down 
the original language for you. The word go, I'm not even going to try to pronounce these in Greek because let's be honest, I'm going to butcher it and so are you. But they're up there. Give it a try. Go means to move along, to depart, to leave, to die, or to undergo. I find it interesting that Jesus would use this word that at times could be translated as die or undergo because I need you to understand that when Jesus tells you to go and to step out in obedience, there's some things in your life that are going to have to die. That's actually what following Jesus is all about. It is about being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. You're also, if you're going to step into things that God has for your life, guess what? You're going to undergo some things. You're going to undergo some family members going, I don't get it. It's stupid. It's a waste of time. Why do you worship like that? Why are you forgiving them again? Well, because Jesus said forgive 70 times seven. And Jesus said, if I don't forgive other people, I won't be forgiven. Yeah, but they, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Hey, me forgiving someone is not telling someone what they did was okay. Forgiveness is setting me free and walking in obedience so I can have the fullness that Jesus died for. So go actually has implication that it's gonna be difficult and we might have to undergo some things. I love the next word, that I just felt the Lord highlight as a verb was enter. The word enter actually means to move into. I just believe in the spirit that there are many of you that God is asking you to move into a new season. I just want you to know for you to move into something, you got to move out of something. And I know moving out of is not the part we like. The relationship that has not served you, that you are not treated with the value and the worth that you have in Jesus for some of us, it's going to be a move out of. There's others of us. I talked to a family in our church um, yesterday at a birthday party, and they talked about them moving here um, from up north, and that it was just like, it was a quick move, and it was a big move, and it's one of those things that's not comfortable. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want you to understand that to move into anything that God has for you, you will have to move out of something. And I, God is a God of seasons, and I don't think there's ever a time in life where you get to a point where you're like, I'm not moving into anything else. God will always be moving you into. The Bible says it's glory to glory, grace to grace, strength to strength. And that doesn't mean it's all butterflies and rainbows and it's all easy, but it means that there's always greater levels. If we've been faithful with little, he can put us over much. There's always more with Jesus. Even when you get to the point where you're like, hey, I think I'm in my latter years. Well, guess what? That means there's a move in to glory. There's always a moving into. The other word was the word see, because he says, go into the city and you will see a young colt. Now this word see is very interesting because it means to discover, to learn, to attain, to begin to experience, to be found to be. What's interesting about that is that there's some of you in here, I truly believe it is time to begin to experience some things when it comes to God. There are many of you, you've been to church. You've checked the box off a gazillion times. You got it. We got it. You know the Bible. You've done a gazillion Bible studies. Awesome. Great. There's others of you who are like, I ain't done none of it. Awesome. Great. What I believe with Jesus is I don't care what side of the spectrum you are, you're on, there is something new to begin to experience with him. And if you're in a place when it comes to your faith life where you're not desiring to experience more, I just want to let you know, in love, you're settling for less than what Jesus died for. I'm not going to live less than what he died for. I'm going to continue to press in to experience more. The other word was the word ridden, which was interesting because it just means to sit, to cause to sit, to remain to a point. Uh, and it also can um, be attached to the authority on the law of Moses, which we know Jesus was fulfilling. And I want you to know that there's some of you, it's time to step into a season where you have a confidence in authority. 
that you are not a mistake. You are made by God and for God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, on purpose, for a purpose. And not for your purpose, but for his purpose. And there are many of us who struggle to walk in confidence and authority and know what we're called to do because we're trying to fulfill our purpose and not God's purpose. And I want you to know that there's an authority that comes on your life. The other word is the word untie. It means to set free, to loose from ropes or straps. But I love this, to release from condition or circumstance. There's some people, it is time to be released from some condition or circumstance in your life. Something that happened to you in your past, it is time by the power and the authority of Jesus to be untied and relinquished from that. Look, anything in your past is not for you to be ashamed of. You should be able to use to help other people, but it should not be holding you back. And then the other word, worship team, you can come up, is the word bring. Bring to lead, to bring, to carry, to guide, to function, to spend time. I love that it can mean to spend time because I think about Jesus and exactly what he did. These guys are going to untie a cult because they are helping fulfill a prophecy. But all of this is because I want to be with them. Rewind three years prior to when he went to the disciples. What did he say? Hey, come and follow me. I want to bring you on the greatest adventure you're going to ever go on. I'm about to flip some cities upside down. I'm about to make some religious people angry. Oh, and by the way, The son of man, Jesus, has no place to lay his head. Who's in? And I can just see all the disciples being like, let's go. We're going on tour. That's why Reagan's going on tour, y'all, okay? She just wants to be like the disciples. But like, there's this beauty in the fact that Jesus is saying, I'm doing the work, but I want to spend time with you. And as I kind of come to the last piece of this, which is really what, has all this make sense for you and I today, right now, we stand to your feet, is me asking this question. Can you imagine helping Jesus with something he needs? Can you imagine helping Jesus with something he needs? I mean, first off, you got to think about the disciples. On Thursday, you'll read it in the Holy Week devotional. On Thursday, he washes their feet, which is an act of service. On Friday, those same feet he washed, deuces. They desert him when he gets arrested. I don't know if you've ever had a friend desert you, a friend that you've lived life with, but Jesus gave everything three years with these dudes, washed their feet, loved them, served them, and they all ran from him. Could you imagine being some of the disciples that are like, dude, we literally just got Jesus crucified. We fulfilled the scripture in Zechariah, and then we left him. Only three days later to find out he was risen, And that he isn't upset with them, but that he's actually commissioning them to go and do what he needs them to do. The Lord needs it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shame and that regret and that that struggle that you're still holding on to, the Lord needs it. Because there's a freedom attached to when you let go of it. But can I tell you on the other side, I know in church we love to talk about our sin and our shame and our regret. But a lot of times we only talk about what we're saved from, but we never talk about what we're saved for. We're saved unto good works that he prepared in advance, according to Ephesians. So what about the beauty that you're in this room today with a dream on the inside of you for a business? And could I tell you today that potentially the Lord's looking at you going, if anybody questions you, you tell them the Lord needs it. What I love about the last word is the word need. It actually kind of messes up the whole passage because it means what should be. 
So in other words, Jesus said, hey, you're going to go into the next town over. When you enter it, you're going to see a young colt tied there. And if anyone asks you what you're doing, you just tell them, the Lord said, this is what should be. See, there's a confidence about it. When God's given me a word, it's like, hey, I know you might not understand it, but there's a scripture written long ago. Jesus needs this. This is what should be. Even for Jesus to show back up to them after his resurrection and say, hey, guys, I know you feel bad because you deserted me, but just listen, this is what should be. I had to die. I know you feel like maybe you gave me up, but this had to happen because the very thing you're struggling with is the very thing I'm paying for. This should be. Now, 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 disciples, I need you to understand, according to Matthew 28, when Jesus says, you go, therefore, into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord needs it. This is what should be. Yeah, yeah, your life, I don't care if you're 16 or 60 in this room. This is what should be. You were created for relationship with God. The Lord needs it. This is what should be. Your life should be surrendered and submitted to him. This is the heart of God. But then this is the most beautiful part. 1 Corinthians 3.9. For we are God's fellow workers, co-laborers. You are God's field, God's building. What this scripture is meaning is that for you and I, this is not, well, there's nothing I have for the Lord. I can't give the Lord anything. He's got everything he needs and he's everything I need. He's everything you need. And he has divinely positioned himself to let you know that every gift, talent, struggle, difficulty in your life, he's saying, I need it. This is what should be. You need to walk in my ways for your life. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're walking through. But I came prophetically to tell someone, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. You're not overlooked. Just as much as he would tell the disciples, hey, go and do that. The Lord needs it. He understood. He was, he was putting them apart of this gospel story that was giving them a significance and a part to play in the purpose of God. You have a part to play in the purpose of the gospel advancing to the ends of the earth. I know you might be in here, college student, going, bro, I signed up for this, this uh, my major, and I've changed it four times, and I don't know. I, I'm majoring in all these different things, and I don't, I don't have a clue what's going on. Well, that's because you're trying to find your purpose and significance in the things the world has to offer instead of looking inwardly and saying, God, what do you need for me to bring into the earth through the unique way you created me? Because you do know God made you, threw away the mold never to make another one like you. There's something locked up on the inside of you that only you can bring into the earth. And the Lord needs it. Now, I want to be clear today. When I say the Lord needs it, I'm not saying... Like, like this guy. Someone could walk up and be like, man, you can sing. You're good. Man. You know what Jonathan does with his life? He didn't wake up one day at three years old and be like, I really think I'm just going to give myself some awesome vocal cords. No, that was from the Lord. That just happens, okay? He got that from his mommy and his daddy. He just got it. But you know what I've watched him do for over 10 years? I've watched him develop his gift. I've watched him grow to learn multiple instruments because he's understood God gave me something. And if he gave it to me, it's for me to give back to him. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. There's some of you in here, you show up to church every single week and you hear about little ones getting the word of God. And I just want to say, there's some of you, you've got a heart to serve the next generation. And I'm just, I'll be the mouthpiece for God to say, the Lord needs it. 
What are you doing showing up to church every single week and not serving for the greater purpose? That's not for me making you feel bad. That's for me letting you know there's stuff on the inside of you that the Lord needs and it'll actually fulfill you as you fulfill his plan. But as you're walking in that, do you know what happens? He never makes it about himself. Because 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do. You, you guys know what whatever means in Greek? It's crazy. It means whatever. Do it for the glory of God. You go ahead and begin to look deep within you, that dream that you haven't stepped into, that business you haven't started. The fact that, Dad, you have said over and over you would put the bottle down and you would be a better father to your kids, but you continue to go back. And I'm here to declare over you there is freedom in the name of Jesus, and the Lord needs it today. The Lord needs Dad today to step in and be who you were created to be. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. I'm going to pray over you. If you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you haven't confessed with your mouth, believed in your heart, you haven't submitted to Jesus, I'd love to pray with you. I'll be standing right here to my left, your right. I'd love to pray with you and, and show you what it looks like to step in to the voyage of following Jesus. But for others of you, man, it's time. Like young people, this is what I love about some of the young people in our church. I watch you guys just go after Jesus and many of you are showing up and mom and dad aren't making you. Many of you, your mom and dad's not even in the room. My generation, it was like, I gotta go because mom and dad are gonna make me. You guys are here because you're encountering Jesus. You're stepping in, you're beginning to experience. And I want you to know the Lord sees it and the Lord is proud and the Lord says, this is what should be. This is what should be. So wherever you are today, whatever that looks like, I just declare over your life, you're about to walk in what should be. So Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you have invited us in to the ministry of the gospel of the kingdom. God, that we can find our worth and our purpose in your plan for us. God, that you do. You do divinely set things up that there's things you need us to do. You need us to go to the ends of the earth. You need us to obediently step out. You need us to be people of faith and not by sight. You need this because Lord, you know that the kingdom of darkness won't relent. And so Father, we pick up the mantle and we declare that we'll continue to advance your kingdom. God, I pray for business ideas. God, I pray for fathers and mothers who feel like they've been trying to be what they need to be, but God, that they won't do it by trying. They'll do it by surrendering to you. God, I thank you for young people who are not interested in trying to be satisfied in the world's ways, but they're gonna find their satisfaction in you right now because they're understanding this is what should be. This is what I was made for. So Father, forever, we declare your goodness. We declare your praise. God, this is what should be. You need it. You need it. We honor you with our yes, God. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.